When I started this series uh, five or six weeks ago, um, I shared a little bit about Carmen and her hearing loss. Um, I wanted to share a little bit more about that. There was a time probably five or six years ago where she just got to the place where uh, she just didn't have much hearing left. And so it was super challenging for us to do the things that we normally did in ministry together. And it started to create a little bit of crisis for us. And part of that was because we had kind of a ministry paradigm that we do ministry together. Like this isn't like Bob's job and she does something else. I can promise you that Carmen is as committed to the mission and the vision of what we're doing around here at Journey Church as I am. But it just became so difficult for us to do the things that we love to do together because it involved us being around groups of people. And her inability to be able to hear created a lot of anxiety in those situations, an incredible amount of isolation. And she just didn't want to be in those situations. And so this created a crisis for us where we were really holding up our lives and just saying, God, is this what you want us to do? Because I wasn't going to do this by myself. We've always been partners in ministry. And that crisis created a lot of fears for us. God, what is it that you really want us to do with our lives? There were uh, a lot of tears, a lot of unknowns for us. And if I'm really honest, there was a lot of pain and sometimes even anger toward God. So frustrated. There were ways that I just felt abandoned by God. It's like, God, I, I chose to this ministry path and, and now 20 years in, it felt like he had walked me out on this limb and now the limb felt like it was starting to shake and break. And sometimes they just wondered like, God, are you like sawing off the limb on the other end? I just felt abandoned by God and sometimes so did Carmen. There was a sense, and I'm not proud of this at all, but there was a sense at times where I felt entitlement. It was like, God, I've given to you. I've, I've, I've tried to serve you as best as I know how. You owe me to have an easier life than we're experiencing right now. And there were times that I just felt punished. I was like, God, is, is, is there something wrong with me? Did I do something wrong? Did we do something wrong? And you're trying to punish us for something. But I tell you what, that pain caused us to pursue God. We really did. We were holding up our lives and just saying, God, is this what you want us to continue with in our life? And in the midst of that pain, was when a whisper came. Carmen was just having her normal devotions on a normal day, reading the story of the feeding of the 5,000, a story that you've probably, if you've been around church, you've heard it many times. Little boy shows up, five loaves, two fishes, and his lunch provides for everyone there on the side of the sea. Incredible miracle. And as Carmen is reading that story, she felt this whisper from God that said, Carmen, that's what I want you to do. Just keep showing up. Just bring what you have. But it was, it was so hard for her because she just felt like, I don't have anything anymore. I don't have anything to offer. I can't hear. She even said things like, I feel like my loaves are moldy and my fish are rotten. I don't have anything to bring. But God just said, Carmen, keep showing up. And that whisper meant so much to us that we drove a stake in the ground and said, we're going to keep moving. We're going to keep moving in ministry and we're going to try to do the things that we've always done before. And God keeps showing up because God wanted us to know that it's not about you. It's about me. 
But the reason I share that story is because it was out of incredible pain that we heard God's whisper. Because that pain in our life got our attention. We weren't just gonna keep walking along. That pain was right in front of us. We had to address it. Pain has a way of catching our attention. Now, I don't know what's happening in every person's life in this room right now, but I talk to enough people that I know there is a lot of pain. Now, pain, I I get it. It comes in all shapes and all sizes and seasons and durations, very, very different. But here's what I also know about pain is that it is deeply personal to each of us, the things that we're walking through. And so as I prepared this message, I was just like, God, I don't want this message to be just theological or theoretical. I just felt like this message has to be pastoral. I can't just give you pat answers to difficult questions that you're asking about the own, your own pain in your own life. Because you are going through difficult things. People are discouraged. People are disappointed. They're fearful. They're frustrated. They just feel misunderstood in so many ways. So many things that people are dealing with. But here's what you need to know in this room today. If you're walking through something that is painful, you are not alone. You are not alone in that. And you know what? In all of human history, you're not alone. And this is what I love about the Bible. I love the Bible because it speaks to life as it really is. Not the way that we wish that life really was. This book talks about real people that experienced real pain and had real problems. I mean, the Bible just barely gets started and it's perfect. Everything is great till you get to like page two. And then the wheels come off. And then you get to the very end, like right in front of the maps. And we see at the very end, it's perfect again. God redeems everything. But from Genesis, the beginning of Genesis, to the maps at the end, there is pain and there are problems. Everyone is going to experience pain. It is guaranteed. Fun message to hear, huh? Pain is guaranteed. But here's what I want you to hear today as well. It's okay to not be okay. We're not all okay. And you just need to hear, it is okay to not be okay. If we don't understand that pain is inevitable, it actually makes the painful experiences that we go through even more painful because we have the wrong expectations and we start to ask the wrong questions because we think that something is wrong. We start asking questions like, God, where are you? It seems like you're a million miles away. We start saying things like I did, like, God, you owe me. I'm following you. You owe me an easy life. We'll start to wonder, did we do something wrong? And we'll keep asking that question, why? God, why is this happening to me? Pain's inevitable. And if you're not walking through something painful right now, praise the Lord. But pain is going to find us along the way. It is inevitable. And here's what God wants us to understand. He doesn't want us to try to do an end run around it. 
He doesn't want us to try to avoid it. He wants us to go through it. And it's in the midst of our pain that God wants to whisper to us. In the midst of our pain, God wants us to learn how to discern his whispers in the midst of things that are incredibly difficult. Here's what I know to be true, is that God has a unique message for each person in their pain. There's something that he wants to say just to you because your pain is unique to you. But what I want to share today is four things that I can promise you. I can promise you, based on the trustworthiness of God's word, there are four things that God wants to whisper to you in the midst of your pain because it comes from his word. And the first one is this. God wants you to hear him say, I am with you in your pain. He simply wants you to know I'm with you. Whatever you're going through, I'm with you. Here's why this is challenging. For whatever reason, there's just this sense that we have oftentimes when we go through something painful in our life, we just get this feeling, this sense that God has somehow turned his back on us. And somehow God is distant from us in our lives. And what we do sometimes is our knee-jerk reaction to that feeling of God that thought that God has turned his back on us is that we turn our back on him and we move away from him. God wants you to know he is with you. He is with you in his pain. Here's how the scripture says it so very clearly. Psalm 34, starting in verse 18. It says, the Lord is close. Hear that word, the Lord is close. To who? To the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. God's right there. Doesn't matter what you're walking through. God is right there. He's close to those who are brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit. If that's you today, God wants you to hear, I'm right there. You don't have to look. I am right there. I am with you. And this is probably a little bit hard for me to say and maybe hard for you to hear, but one thing that we need to understand about pain is pain can be a gift. Pain can actually be a gift to us if we understand what God is trying to do in and through the pain in our life. I want you to think about it this way. Think about our physical body. If we weren't able to experience pain, We would continually re-injure ourselves. Pain tells us that there's something going on inside of our body that's not right. It alerts us something's wrong because there can be things that are going on underneath the surface in our life that if we don't know about them, if we don't feel that pain physically, they can kill us. The same is true in our spiritual life as well. When I was thinking about the the physical part of it. I was thinking about a few years ago, I had a shoulder injury. I'd been working out a lot and lifting and my shoulder just started hurt. And so being a guy, I just thought uh, the best thing to do, I'm just gonna push through it. I'm just gonna keep doing everything that I'm doing and eventually it's gonna go away. Just so you know, that does not work. Eventually, I just got to the place where I could barely use my shoulder. I finally got to the place where I had to humble myself and go to a physical therapist and just say, there is something wrong with my shoulder. And here's what they did. They just gave me these really simple exercises. 
I mean, this is how simple they were. They took a two-pound weight, and one of the exercises was this. Just do this with my shoulder. Really, that was one of them. Take that two-pound weight and do things like this. I mean, this, I tell you, I walked out of that physical therapy office, and I thought, there is no way that is going to work. That is not going to help anything. But here's what happened. Within two weeks of doing these simple little exercises, pain was gone, and I've never had pain since. But I had to recognize, I had to humble myself and say, there's something wrong underneath. And it was that pain that alerted me. Something needed to change, and I needed help. Pain has a way of grabbing our attention. We can't ignore it. We can't just push through it all the time. And in this series, I'm just thinking about all the things that we're talking about in terms of how God speaks to us. And you know what? You can do a pretty good job of ignoring a lot of them. Like, you can take your Bible, you can just close it up, put it on your nightstand, put it away, put it on the shelf, let it get dusty, and not listen to what God has to whisper to you from his word. You can take all those promptings that God's spirit is giving to you in your life, and you can push them down. You can ignore them until your heart just gets calloused. You can ignore them. You can ignore the people around you that maybe God is bringing into your life to speak truth and help and hope into your life. You can ignore them as well. But you know what? It is really hard to ignore pain because pain is right there. It is right in our face, physical pain, emotional pain, relational pain. We can't ignore it. I love what C.S. Lewis said in his book, The Problem of Pain. He says, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is a megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God grabs our attention with pain. And this doesn't mean, this doesn't mean in any way that all pain in our life is caused by God. A lot of the pain that we experience in life is pain that we bring on ourselves because of our own sin and our own disobedience. But sometimes there's pain that we experience in life that is actually caused in our life by the sin of others. We are sinned against. There are other things that happen where it's just a, a mystery. We have no idea why it's happening. And sometimes pain is just the grief and the loss of this brokenness, broken world. There's lots of different shapes and forms of pain. But God wants to speak in the midst of all of it. And here's what he wants us to know is that I'm with you in the midst of it. This is not the time to lean out and push away from God in the midst of painful things. He's saying, I'm right here. Lean in and listen for my whispers. A second thing that Jesus wants to whisper into your ear if you're walking through something painful is this. He wants to say to you, I understand your pain. I understand. Not only is he with you, he understands your pain. I love how the writer of Hebrews in chapter five describes the life of Jesus here on earth. Listen to this. Verse seven, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petition with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he was the son of God. Son though he was, he learned 
obedience from what he suffered. Think about that for a minute. God came to this earth in the flesh, fully God, but also fully human. And he lived a fully human experience, including pain, including agony, including suffering, including betrayal, all the things that cause us pain, Jesus experienced as well. And you can say all that you want about how God views your pain, but what you can't say to him is that he doesn't care and that he doesn't understand. Jesus experienced it all. God was willing to take his own medicine when it relates to these whispers that he wants us to learn to hear in the midst of our pain. And Jesus actually learned. It was the things that he suffered. It was the painful things that caused him to learn. And pain can be a great teacher sometimes, can't it? Pain has a way of surfacing things in our lives. Like, what are, what are those idols in our heart? What are those secret motives in our life? Pain has a way of bringing those to the surface in ways that we have to deal with them. Pain has a way of revealing in our life, where are the places where our heart and our life needs to heal? Where are those places in our life where our heart needs to grow? Pain has a way of bringing those to the surface in our life, has a way of helping clarify what really are our priorities in this life? What really is our perspective on this life? Pain is a part of the sanctification process. It's what makes us more like Jesus. If Jesus learned from pain, we need to learn to learn from pain as well. And maybe there's things that God wants to do in your life that pain is the only way that he's gonna accomplish that in your life. And I say this a lot to people, don't waste your pain. Don't waste it. Don't try to do an end around Grab a hold of someone who's with you, Jesus, who understands your pain, Jesus. Grab his hand and walk through it. Lean in, listen, listen for the whispers and become like Jesus. A third thing that God will say, the whisper to you in the midst of your pain is simply this, I will redeem your pain. I will redeem your pain your pain. Maybe not in this life, but for sure in the life to come. I will redeem your pain. This is how Paul, I love this. I love this section of scripture because it's his perspective on pain. This is what Paul says. Second Corinthians chapter four, starting in verse 16. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So he says, this is what we do. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Here's how Paul was talking about the pain and the suffering in his own life. He refers to them as light and momentary troubles. I mean, what, what, what were the light and momentary troubles that Paul was talking about? I love this because Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 
Almost the whole chapter is a chunk of him talking about all the light and momentary troubles that he experienced in his life. Do you want to hear a few of them? I won't read the whole thing, but I'll just share a few of the highlights. In prison, frequently. Flogged severely, multiple times. Exposed to death again and again. Five times. Five times he received 40 lashes across his back, minus one. Three times he was beaten with rods. One time, just one time, he was stoned and left for dead, and he survives. Three times, he was shipwrecked. He was in danger from the Jews and the Gentiles. Everybody was trying to kill him. He said, I went without sleep. I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was cold. I was naked. I was betrayed by my friends. And he says, besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Light and momentary troubles? Really? I mean, can you imagine if that were one of us? Like, if that were me, I'm just thinking at some point I'm gonna be asking like, hey God, I feel like I wanna be on your team. I'm trying to do this with you and for you, but it kind of seems like you're not holding up your end of the bargain. Come on, God, a little help, please. But Paul looks at all of these circumstances in his life that would take any person under and he just says ah they're light and momentary how how can someone get that perspective that all of those things are light and momentary it's because paul had a perspective and he had his eyes on something that was heavy that was weighty and it wasn't momentary it was eternal it was forever Paul didn't live his life just focused on the things and the circumstances right in front of his face. He always had his eyes thinking about eternity. And he lived a full and meaningful life, but he lived his life in the light of the fact that what am I gonna do today that's gonna make a difference for eternity? Because that's what really matters. And until we get to the place where we do what Paul says, he says we've got to learn, it's a A neat twist of a phrase. You need to see the things that are unseen. We need to focus our eyes on things that we can't see. I mean, our spiritual eyes, friends, they're the same as our physical eyes. Our physical eyes, we can't focus on two things at one time. We can focus, just imagine your hand in front of your face. You can focus on your hand. But as soon as I focus on my hand, all of you are blurry. Now the things in front of me, my hand, I can see that very, very clearly. But you are all fuzzy. But if I look between my fingers and I focus on you, suddenly you're all clear. I can see you very, very clearly. But you know what happens to my hand? It gets fuzzy, That's what Paul is talking about right here. We need to learn to not focus on the things, the circumstances, the things that are just in front of us. But we need to take our gaze, take our eyes and look beyond that and look to eternity that God has prepared for us. Fix our eyes on things that we can't see. C.S. Lewis said it this way in his book, Mere Christianity. He said, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. It's just C.S. Lewis, the same way of talking about the perspective that Paul had. You've got to see something beyond our circumstances and realize there will be redemption. Maybe some things will be redeemed in this life. Maybe not. God doesn't promise that, but the future 
is certain. Our eternity is certain. And we live in light of eternity. Because God, he sees everything all at once. He sees your whole life. He knows exactly what it is that he's doing. We may not understand it because we don't see that whole picture, but we know that he does and we trust him because he has our eternity. We fix our eyes on the things that are unseen. I shared this story in the, at the nine o'clock and I couldn't get through it. I'm gonna to try to do a better job this time. At Easter, we did some baptisms around here. It was just a beautiful time. Every baptism was beautiful and special. But for me, there was one that really captured my heart because I had the opportunity to baptize my son, Josiah. And when we did the, the baptisms, uh, Logan filmed uh, videos of everybody's testimony, but because we had so many, we kind of just did a montage, if you were here, just a little clips of everyone's story. But I wanted you to hear my son's story Mostly for this, there's a phrase in there that he talks about that I want to unpack in light of this sermon, but I want you to see this video of my son, Josiah. Hi, my name is Josiah, and I'd love to share what Jesus has done in my life. Growing up, I was very fortunate to be surrounded by a very strong Christian-based community. Um, I had amazing role models in my life that were able to show what it looks like to authentically walk with Jesus. It wasn't until looking back um, that I later realized that my faith was just an extension of that community and not a personal relationship with Jesus at all. From an outside perspective, it very much looked like I was walking with the Lord. I read and understood my Bible. I was part of Bible studies, but that was further from the truth. Um, I was an individual who really struggled with shame and self-worth, and I used worldly success and achievements to be able to combat that. And I ultimately lived for myself while I pushed Jesus aside. It wasn't until stepping out of a relationship that Jesus made it very apparent to me that I was living in and for this world and that if I wanted to live out his plan, I couldn't continue doing so. One of the challenges for me was growing up with my uh, parents in ministry. I always heard the stories of, you know, Jesus loves me and Jesus died for me. But it wasn't until those challenging days that it became very apparent to me, Jesus' unconditional love and grace that he has in my life. And it was in that time that I wanted to commit myself nothing um, but to live and grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I feel so undeserving, but that's the best part. You know, He gives the gift of salvation and is able to redeem any heart. And he's completely transformed my heart. He has made me sensitive to the things that he's cared about and the things that he ultimately wants me to do. And a verse that's helped me walk closely with the Holy Spirit has been John 15, 5, that says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. And I love that last part because I think it shows just how much confidence Jesus has in us. And for the longest time, I felt maybe I could do some things or even a little, but it's apart from him, I can do absolutely nothing. And when I live and abide in him, I experience a peace that I've never felt before. And I just want to thank um, my parents for being such unbelievable um, examples, what it looks like to live in an authentic relationship with Jesus. And uh, Jesse Radoslovich, who has mentored me and spurred me on in my faith, through the, all the ups and downs. And I would love to announce that Jesus Christ is my redeemer 
and I want nothing else but to live and grow in him. When I heard his story, there's just one phrase in there. He said, during those challenging times, because there's a, ba- there's a back story to that. My son walked through a season of time of pain and darkness. And it was so scary as a dad. And as a dad, you'd do anything to try to take that away from him. There's just a whole season where I would sleep with my phone on my chest because I didn't know if he would call in the middle of the night and need to be with me. And often he would. My phone would buzz and it'd be like, Dad, can I come over? And I would just sit there on the couch with him in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his suffering, the things that he was so struggling with, and I would just hold him. We would talk. We would pray. Often we just sat there and cried. And I was just, in my heart, be like, Lord, just take this away from him. So when I listen to his story, and I'm just seeing what God has done in his life as a result of the pain and the darkness and the suffering that he went through, at one point I would have done anything to take it away. And now I am so grateful for it. That he was, I would say that to him over and over, Josiah, don't waste this pain. Don't waste this pain. Press in. Press into God. And to see God do that in the midst of something that was so dark and so difficult. His story's not unique. His story can be your story. Some of you are going through incredible pain, incredible suffering, incredible darkness. And I would tell you, and my son would tell you, don't lean out. Lean in. God can redeem even the most difficult things in our life. Don't lean out. Lean in. God can redeem your pain. The last thing that I believe God wants to whisper to you in the midst of whatever you're going through, whatever your painful situation is this. He wants to whisper to you, praise me in your pain. Praise me in your pain. Now you hear that, and that might just sound counterintuitive. Like, God, you feel, you feel so distant. I feel abandoned. It's so difficult to praise you. I want to say what I said earlier. It's okay to not be okay. But it is not okay to not praise him. Because he is worthy of our praise, regardless of what is happening in and around our life. We praise him. There's a name in the Bible that is really just almost synonymous with pain and suffering. It's the name Job. When you hear that name, you just, you just think of suffering. When Job lost everything, this is what he did. Job chapter 1, starting in verse 20. It says, at this, meaning Job had lost everything. And he didn't know why. And God never told him. He never understood. But we know what Job did. It says, Job got up, he tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. He fell to the ground in worship. 
And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And then it says this, in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. It's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to not praise him. Here's what we need to understand. The book of praise in the Bible, the book of Psalms, the poems, the songs. Do you know that 60 of the 150 Psalms are in a genre called lament? Learning how to grieve, learning how to talk to God in the midst of pain and suffering in our life. 40% of the Psalms are about that, lament. I want to read one small verse from one psalm of lament. Psalm 5, verse 1. This is David. He says, listen to my words, Lord, and consider my sighing. Listen to my words, Lord, but pay attention, God, to my sighing. David wants God to hear his prayers. But David knows that sometimes all he has is a sigh, a long, deep breath. We know what a sigh is. It's just, it's a psychological response to sadness. And there's some of us, when I, when I said praise God, a sigh might be all you have today. But God wants to hear your sigh. Just recently, I was talking with a dad that was walking through something with his daughter. And just talked about the trauma of the situation and how she was experiencing all of that. My heart was just heavy. And he said something I'll never forget. He said, she just keeps telling me I'm too tired to pray. I'm just too tired to pray. And I know for some of you, that's right where you're at. You need to hear today. God hears even your sighs. God sees you. He hears your sighs. And what we need to hear in the midst of our sighing, God wants us to know over and over, I'm with you in your pain. I understand your pain. I walk through all of the things that you've walked through. We need to know I can redeem your pain. He wants us to hear that. It's not the end of the story. But God says, I want you to praise me in your pain. I want you to praise me in your pain. I'm going to invite the band to come out as we get ready to close. I've asked them to do this song. And the song is simply called, I Speak Jesus. And someone shared this with me. And when he shared it with me, he said, I've listened to this about 80 times in a row. And as soon as I heard this song, I listened to it about 80 times in a row. And kind of the big idea, the big truth behind this song is that there is power in the name of Jesus. There is authority in the name of Jesus. There is life in the name of Jesus. There is freedom in the name of Jesus. And what we're going to do today, friends, is all together, we're going to apply this together. We are going to praise the name of Jesus. And we are going to speak his name over this auditorium and over everyone that is watching online.
over every person, over every problem, over every area of pain in our life, we are going to speak the name of Jesus. And maybe for you, you're sitting there today and you're like, you know, my, my life is pretty good. Everything is going well right now. I can promise you there are people around you that aren't okay today. Speak the name of Jesus out for them. Maybe all they can do today is sigh. I just want to stretch us in our worship. Would we just worship the name of Jesus? Would we speak his name? Jesus, we come to you and we ask you to move in this place. You're the only one that can comfort the deepest places of our pain and we ask you to do it. I pray that we would feel you here today, that we would trust you today because we know that you get what's going on in our life. You get it, you understand, and you have the power to redeem everything. Jesus, we praise your name today and it's in your powerful and authoritative and resurrected name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.